Thank the Lord for his goodness to us. What a mighty God we serve. Well, let's go to the word of the Lord. How about Job 38? Be a good place to start on a Sunday night. Job 38. Now, 38, we're past the worst part here. And uh, the Lord is speaking to Job. The three friends that came to encourage him and then sat for several days just open-mouthed and staring at him are gone. I mean, they're, whether they're physically present at this point, they're not relevant to the story now. And Job has had a lot of questions, and the Lord speaks to him. And in verse number three, he says, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Where were you? Now you think you're so smart. You don't have answers, but you do have a lot of questions. You think that makes you smart. Now, I've got some questions for you, but I've got the answers, too. And he finished it up, finished up this little area here. Where were you when the morning stars sang together? Now, I'm not real sure exactly what all's going on in this verse. But you'll see in a moment why I chose it. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and begin with verse 25. And he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with psalteries, and with harps, according to the commandment of David and of Gad the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. And the Levites stood with the, uh, and Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets, with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel, and all the congregation worshiped, and the singers sang. 
and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. They just kept singing. They kept playing. While whatever offering, sheep, oxen, was totally burned up, and the last of it fell through the grate. And some priest who was designated to watch and make sure would finally see the last piece of it fall through the grate, and he would declare, it is finished. And then they would cease their singing. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshiped. So here's my title slide, if you will. Are you ready to sing? Brother Moss, we just finished. No, are you ready to sing? Now, I've got a definition, it's a rather long definition here of, of singing. Singing is the act of producing musical sounds with the voice and augments regular speech by the use of sustained tonality, rhythm, and a variety of vocal techniques. Sound familiar? Describe anything that you have participated in recently. A person who sings is called a singer or a vocalist. Singers perform music such as arias and songs and so forth that can be sung with or without accompaniment by musical instruments. Singing is often done in an ensemble of musicians such as a choir of singers or a band of instrumentalists. Singers may perform as soloists or accompanied by anything from a single instrument to a symphony orchestra or a big band. Different singing styles include art music such as operas, Chinese operas and Indian music, styles such as gospel singing, traditional music styles, world music, jazz, blues, popular music styles such as pop or rock, electronic dance music and Indian film songs. Singing can be as form, be formal or informal. Think shower. <laughs> Arranged or improvised. It may be done as a form of religious devotion, as a hobby, as a source of pleasure, comfort, or ritual. As part of music education or even as a profession. Excellence in singing, hold it here, hold it. Now we're getting to some, some, some detail that's not this, just facts. This is, this is a hint. Excellence in singing requires time, dedication, instruction, and regular practice. So if you're going to be good at it, it's going to take some time to get good at singing. You're going to have to make some dedication to it, practice, if you will. 
You'll probably need some instruction. No, that's not quite right. It's a little higher. Your timing is off there. Let's you know, you cut it or hold it or whatever. You need somebody who is outside of you to give you some, who has an ear for it, to give you some direction. Also, a lot of practice. Oh, I did this. Um, Saturday, I, I spoke of a situation, and I, I reminded the folks there of, of a banquet that I had heard of. I obviously didn't attend, but I, I heard of this banquet that was uh, attended by all strata of society, and one of the people who was a guest at this banquet was a fellow who held a Ph.D. named Albert Einstein. I'm sure a few of you at least have heard of Albert Einstein. As a young man, he failed math. As an older man, he visualized and did the math for the atomic bomb. But he was sitting next to a young lady, a college girl, one of those banquets where they just mixed everybody up random to, to keep the, interest, the conversation interesting. And, and so this college girl, in order to make conversation, turned to Albert Einstein, probably having no idea of who he really was, and asked him, sir, what do you do? And he said, I am engaged in the study of physics. She got a smile on her face. Her eyebrows went up and she said, oh, physics. I had that last semester. <laughs> you see, it's one thing to be engaged in something and to have had it. <laughs> if you're going to be good at singing... It's going to take regular practice. And if practice is done on a regular basis, then the sounds can become more clear and strong. Of course, again, it has to be not just practicing the same mistakes over and over. I remember my mother telling of a time when my father was in the military in World War II, was a mechanic repairing B-17 bombers, and was uh, stationed in Tennessee near Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm not sure what base was there. but And so they, uh, they had to rent a little place, rent it off, off base. And the family that they rented a room from had a preteen daughter who was taking piano lessons. When my father many times would have to come in and during the day try to get some sleep so that he could work the, 
the night shift or whatever. And that was the time when the young girl would practice her piano. And years, yay, decades later, my mother still talked about that young lady and her piano practice of practicing the same mistake over and over and over. It's best not to practice your mistakes. It's best to figure out what went wrong and get it straightened up. Are you ready to sing? Are you ready to sing? Let's have that next slide, if you will, please. <clears throat> now, you may not recognize those folks. In fact, there's one of them that you would have absolutely no reason to, uh, to recognize, know anything about. <laughs> Stephen, if you're watching... I'm eventually leaving this for you. <clears throat> well, Moss, why would you keep something like that? I'm using it. <laughs> this young fella up here, that's me. 60 years and a little over a hundred pounds ago. <laughs> the story I have to tell happens just a, a few, very few months before this picture was taken. In Monahans, and this is a, an award jacket from Monahans High School, uh, in Monahans, the high school classes were, the high school was, the building held 10, 11, and 12. So that next door at Hudler Junior High was 6, 7, 8, and 9. And so in my freshman year, in the ninth grade, I was in Hudler Junior High building technically in high school, but physically next door. Toward the end of the year, they gave us information that uh, the choir director, Mr. Jackson, was now holding auditions for anyone who might want to be in the a cappella choir. So... <laughs> The young fellow who was just in those days shy of, just shy of six feet tall, I grew a little bit. And I don't know how much I weighed at that point, but three years later when I graduated, I was six foot one and weighed 135 pounds. <laughs> Fully clothed and soaking wet, 135 pounds. So I'm a skinny kid. I'm sure to Mr. Jackson, I didn't look like much. He was in the music room. I walked over next door to the high school, went into the music room. I just walked in. I didn't say anything. 
he was running a, a few that were ahead of me through their paces and, and asking them, can you sing this and running them through scales and so on. And, and then it came my turn. I stepped up. Mr. Jackson took a look at me. And uh, he hit a note way up on the right-hand side of the piano in the high range. And he said, can you hit that note? I had not said a word at this point. <laughs> I smiled at him. I said, no, sir, I don't think I can get that high. He nearly fell off the bench. So he hit more toward something more toward the middle range, and I was able to hit that, and he just kept going down, and I kept following him. When we finally ended up, I could not go below the fourth key from the end. I haven't tried that in years. I don't know where I could hit now. He said, oh, what we can do this year. Because you see, this young lady there, and by the way, her picture came from the same annual that my picture came from. Her name is Sherry Starling. She later made all-state soprano. She could come to the fourth key on the other end of the piano. And she had just auditioned short, a short time before I did. He was, he was ecstatic. <laughs> this star... that they put on the sleeve. This is from the Texas Musical Festival that our choir was invited to sing at. We happened to sing in Dallas, Texas during the Texas State Fair in the Cotton Bowl. Our director was Richard Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein fame. Ready to sing? We had to do a lot of practicing. A lot of getting ready. Lots of criticism. Sherry, Sherry Starling made Allstate. I didn't. I tried out, but I didn't make it. That's another story for another time. Singing. Singing. It's just something that seems to come natural. Music goes way, way back. Early chapters of Genesis, we find references to music, to instruments. How about if we just went ahead and sang a little bit here? Let me... 
let me uh, see what we can do. I'll I tell you what, uh, let's divide this section over here. Uh, Shellix and forward, if, if you will. I want to do a round over here. It will be row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. And then everybody behind them, you'll do the off side of that. Row, row, row your boat. You know how it goes, row, row, row your boat. And then the other side comes in, row, row, row your boat as these go to gently down the stream. You, know, you remember that one? Yeah. That? I don't know if you do that in homeschooling, but that's what we did in, in uh, elementary school. And so you, you got that in, in mind? Okay, and, uh, and right here, now, now while they're, they're doing that, I would like for this center section to be singing happy birthday to you. <laughs> row, row, row your boat, happy birthday to you, and I want y'all to do that, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> Are you ready? Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all the other things you've explained to me, you explain you ain't nothing but a hound dog. That wouldn't work very well, would it? We might be able to handle row, row, row your boat as a round. But you add happy birthday to it, and you're going to have confusion and people that are singing. And, and we're going to have to get to the organ playing one and the piano playing the other, and we might get to, somebody got a guitar for you ain't nothing but a hound dog. You see, if we're going to sing, we need to sing together. Otherwise, we come to a place where there's such confusion that nobody can sing worth anything. Happy row your boat to the hound dog. Singing is making musical sounds with the voice. It augments regular speech by the use of sustained tonality, rhythm, and a variety of vocal techniques. Row, row, row your boats, one vocal technique. You ain't nothing but a hound dog is a whole different technique. And happy birthday, of course, is <clears throat> in the universe by itself. Now, how did I get here? What's this? Where am I going? I thought this was supposed to be a leadership service. Oh, it is. 
It is, I'm just using an illustration. If you are going to be a leader, just like if you are going to be a singer, you must be a cooperator. We all need to be on the same page of music. We all need to be in the same bar, singing in the same key, or at least close. Have you ever given, gathered up sticks in the yard, bundled them up, maybe put them out to be picked up? I, I'm not sure if they do that up here, but... There have been times when in cleaning up a rent house after someone has moved out and, and let the, uh, they let the uh, brush grow up. It wasn't their house. They didn't mind. It, it didn't bother them that the, the rose bush was growing like it had been through an atomic power plant explosion or some such and mutated. Uh, they didn't mind that the, uh, the limbs had fallen in the yard from the trees. So it would, as part of my job, to clean up the outside and gather up and bundle the sticks. And some of them were oh so crooked. But somehow putting them all together and tying them together, it seemed to straighten them out so that you got a more or less round bundle of all these crooked sticks. Now I ask again and again this evening, are you ready to sing? I have told you the story of uh, my audition and, and uh, Sherry Starling's audition. audition. You can put this, the title slide back up there if you, if you wish. Uh, it's, it's a question I'm, I'm asking over and over. Are you ready to sing? So now the next thing I would need to do is ask someone to come to the piano and we'll come up here one at a time and we'll audition. Can you, can you hit this note? Can you, can you run the, the, the chords here? Can you, can you sing this? How's your, how's your beat? How's your timing on this? Uh, can, can you read, sight-read music? Can you go up and down? Can you, can you figure out where you are supposed to be? Do you, uh, do you know the difference between three-quarter time and four-four time? Uh, how about the, uh, uh, the uh, eighth notes and sixteenth notes and, and uh, a, a, a fermati or a bird's eye over a whole note? Do you understand when you see that what, what all is going on here? Or are you like the, the quarter note that had the dot after it? And it said to the quarter note next to it in the, in the theme, it said, I don't know what it is, but it's prolonged my life. I see that some of you need a little more music education in order to understand. You're not quite ready to sing some of these songs by sight reading. 
A dotted quarter is, is half again as long as a regular quarter note. But if I called you up here one at a time, we might have some folks sneaking out before it came their turn because they just wouldn't want to by themselves stand up here with a microphone in their hand and go, ah, 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 ah. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. And I know that was not correct in that I went up and came down in the same names but not the right notes. I did pay some attention in choir class. So here's the, here's the thing. Not all of us are great singers. No one has come knocking on your door asking you to come work for the Metropolitan Opera. Maybe I'm wrong. Has some, somebody had someone come knock on your door and said, we've got, the, we've got a lead part that we want you to sing in, at the Met? No, I didn't. <clears throat> there are some who will remain nameless, though well-known among us, who when they sing need a bucket with a lid on it in order to carry a tune. <laughs> but have you ever on a Sunday morning, and we don't all want to do this at the same time, but have you ever on a Sunday morning while we are in the early parts of the service and we are singing and praising the Lord, have you ever just gone silent? You might go ahead and move your lips so they won't know that you're just listening. But have you ever just stopped singing and listened? to all of the discordant notes that are being sung here and there and yonder over the congregation, and yet somehow like a bundle of crooked sticks, it all smooths out. And I'm telling you on Sunday morning so many times, it sounds like a heavenly choir in here. It is beautiful. I don't know if it's just the sound. I doubt that it's just the sound. I think there's something in the spirit that adds to it, that smooths it out, that, that does it. Because when we all get to worshiping God together and praising Him and singing and making a joyful noise to Him, oh, I'm so glad about that because there are, there are times after uh, 50 years of preaching that my voice is not under my control like it was year, 60 years ago. But it's beautiful. Because we're all as best we can be. 
on the same page, on the same beat, with the same purpose to worship Him. What does that have to do with leadership? Well, I'll get there. Several years back, we decided in Bartlesville that we were going to have a youth choir. You notice how I left that hanging and went on to something else to keep your attention for when we're going to get to that later. We decided we were going to have a youth choir, and our service started at at 7 o'clock on Sunday evening. And I would try to be at the church somewhere around just shortly after 5 o'clock. And I would go into my study and I would, I would uh, pray and I'd get out the cloths and I'd polish up what I was going to be preaching that night and, and uh, get everything as, as ready as I could. And, and uh, we would start about 6.30 with a, with a prayer service before... Uh, church would start at 7, and, and so somewhere between uh, 5 o'clock and, and, and 6.30, the, I don't even remember the timing of it, but uh, whoever our choir director was, and I do not remember who that was at this point, but uh, the choir director would come, and, and then the, the young people would show up, and, and I'd be sitting in my, my study, which was just off the side of the platform, and I'd be in there and I'd be trying to get ready for that evening and I would hear them out in the, in the auditorium and they would be practicing and practicing and that's part of this definition. If, you, if you're going to do, if you're going to sing and you're going to be any good at it, you've got to put some work into it. And so they would, they would come and, and they would practice and, and uh, they would have the awfulest time getting, getting together and singing the, the same thing with the same beat and the same notes. And, and uh, I sat there for, for several weeks just, just listening. And I thought, they'll figure this out in a little bit. But it got to a little bit, and then it got to a medium bit, and then it got to a, a long bit, and they hadn't figured it out yet. And I was, I was not involved with the, necessarily with the music department. I was just, you know, I, I, I was there to preach. And, and I had my hands full with that. But one evening they came and they started out and, and they were no closer to being where they needed to be than they had been in the first session when they first got together. And I thought, I've got an answer for this, and I know it's not my place. I know we've got a choir director, but I'm going out there. (laughs) And, And so I opened my my study door and went out and said, can I make a suggestion? 
Now, whoever turned down a pastor that wanted to make a suggestion? So they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I said, somebody get over here on the piano. Or maybe there was somebody already there. I said, hit a note. Let's see. So they hit middle C. I said, okay, now everybody sing that note and keep hitting it. We'll get there. Come on now. now. Everybody together sing that note. And after a while, they got, you know, in the neighborhood. And I hit that note again and again and again, sing it, sing it, sing it. And when they got to middle C, I said, all right, now, now, I don't even remember what you go up, see, you know. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. And I took them through that. Just a Start here. Run a simple scale. We did that about three times. I said, if you'll start every session getting everybody to sing that note and then run a scale and see what happens. I went back in my study, shut the door, left it with them. From then on, they came in. They hit that note till they all got at least in the neighborhood. And then they started just, just simply about three times. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. It was amazing how much better they sang. How they were able to stay together. How just that little bit of discipline and work brought them to a place where their singing improved at least 150%. What's that got to do with leadership? Was it you coming out of the office? No, that's, that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that if we are going to sing a song of redemption in this area. We've got to be together. You may not understand everything that's, that's going on around us, and, and I'm not even sure that, that those who are at the very tip of the spear and, and, and leading us understand all that God is doing here. We've got a discipleship class going on right now back in the reception room. Every week, a member of the teaching team is going out. We're, we're trading out. Now, it's not my turn yet, but it's coming. I'm already on the schedule. That there's a, there's a session of, of Sunday night leadership. I'm going to miss it because I'm going to be back there teaching the discipleship class. We're doing that discipleship class because there are, are people 
who would, are needing to take a, a certain level of the discipleship class, but it falls on the same night as their small group, and they don't want to miss their small group. So we're making accommodation so they can get their small group and the discipleship class. And we're going to carry through. What, what is all of this? Several, I guess now it's years ago, I told you, standing on this same platform, there are big changes coming. And they have come in discipleship classes. They have come with small group classes. They, have, they are still yet to come with service classes or service opportunities that are, are, are yet being worked on and, and arranged and all of that going on. But we are, by all of these things, we are getting on the same page. We are singing our scales. This is our do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. This is getting us together so that we as leaders are, as Paul instructed the Corinthian church, all saying the same thing. Are you ready to sing the song of leadership and redemption? Are you in the place where you are listening to the voice of the Spirit as it says, well, I'm, I'm hitting this note, get in the neighborhood. And then when you get in the neighborhood, you don't get to relax. Then you get to go to the next one and the next one and the next one and get on the scale and find out and, and harmonize and, and all with those that are around you so that we are teaching and we are preaching and we are living the same thing as an example to those around us. We've had a year of Sabbath. You don't reap in a year of Sabbath. If you're upset about we didn't have um, a whole lot of baptisms or a whole lot of folks getting the Holy Ghost last year, no, we didn't, but that was a Sabbath year. We were taking a break. If you bring children into the home, you're going to be busy. You're not going to be Sabbathing. For their sake, you'll be busy. And then when the year of Sabbath's over, you plant and you water and you hoe and you fertilize and you wait. Then in a little while, it's all hands on deck because it becomes harvest time. And if we're going to harvest together, we all need to be in the same field. We all need to be gathering the same crop. Not one gathering the heads of wheat and the other and stockpiling the stems. The chaff. Oh no. We can't sing happy birthday, roll your boat, hound dog. We've got to work together. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying we're not. I'm just, I'm trying to point out to us before we get there. What we are doing in preparation now 
and how that the things that we are working on are working together to get us ready to sing our magnum opus, our greatest work, a song that will resound and re-echo through the years. And it will crescendo as new churches are established. And as, as it, the, the volume increases and the resonance echoes from place to place as the song of the redemption of the Lord, they were ready to make a sacrifice. And when the sacrifice started, the congregation began to sing. I want to be part of it. I know we're not all that great of stars. But we can sing together. We can, by unified leadership, we can operate together. Well, I can't do anything. <clears throat> yeah, you can. You can cooperate. I said it a while ago. If you're going to be a, a singer, or if you're going to be a leader, you must be a cooperator. Now, you can, you can run off and do your own thing, sing your own song, but you'll not accomplish a whole lot more than singing in the shower. There was a reason they invited us to the Cotton Bowl to sing under the direction of Richard Rogers, because all of us together could sing the same song and sing it well. That little skinny kid with the deep voice and the dark rimmed glasses. They didn't invite him. He was there. But they didn't invite him. They invited the choir. I wasn't the standout. If we had a standout, it was Sherry. I don't know if you realize it, but when you sing bass, it's almost subsonic, and it's hard to hear. It is, spelled differently, a bass. That it's hard to push out bass loud. You got to get up a range or two. But in the rocket's red glare and you hit that high note, everybody can hear that. It travels. If they had invited a star, Sherry would have made the trip by herself. That girl could pack more clothes and take more suitcases. Because the boys got the job of carrying all the girls' luck. Yeah. 
I got Sherry's. <laughs> got to be a cooperator. We got to be singing the same song. We got to be on the same page, and and we are. But I, I just want to remind us of what we are doing. We are singing. Are you ready to sing? It's time to sing. Let's sing together. Now I want to. I want to finish with a problem. Well, that's not a good way to finish up anything, is it? But I'm talking about leadership. And leadership, well, part of leadership is dealing with problems. If there weren't problems, you wouldn't have near as much need for leaders. If somebody didn't have to make a decision, if somebody didn't have to do something, there wouldn't be near as much need for, for somebody to, to decide and do. So you being here for leadership service says that you are wanting at least in some way to be involved with that, with that level of the church, what Brother uh, V.A. Gidros called the working side of the church. It's different than just coming and singing and giving in the offering and, and listening to a sermon and going home and then coming back the next week and, and doing it again. This is the working side of the church we're talking about, leadership. But a problem with leadership is that most of us don't feel like we can do it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because it'd be embarrassing to all of us. But if I did ask for a show of hands, I'd ask for a show of hands of those that don't think that you can really do it and somebody else could do it better. I don't care what it is. And unless you're some kind of narcissist egoist, you're probably going to feel that way. Somebody else could do a better job of teaching. Somebody else could do a better job of preaching. Somebody could stand back there at the, at the welcome desk and do a better job of greeting those that come in. If you've ever had a mix-up doing that, you felt that way. Somebody else would have handled that better. If you spend as many hours talking as I have, some folks say, well, Brother Moss, why don't you talk more? I talk plenty. Just that a lot of times when I'm talking, people aren't listening. If you spend as many hours talking as I have, I got a whole list of things I should have never said. Or I should have never said them that way. I got a list stretching back 
1965. Oops. Did I really say that? When the pastor you're preaching the revival for tells you three nights later something you said in the way you said it. (sighs) Maybe I ought to go back to welding. I can't do this. Or more insidious, somebody else could do it better. And that may be true. That may be true. I remember the pastor of the church where I got the Holy Ghost. Brother Raymond Light in Austin, Texas. I spent a lot of time in his home and, and I heard him say three or four times, we don't hear the best preachers at General Conference. He said there are men sitting in the congregation who could preach a better sermon, who could bring us a better word than a lot of those fellas who are preaching up there. Well, I'd never been to a general conference. I had no idea what he was talking about. And I thought, well, surely, surely whoever is picking them has a pretty good idea of who to get. Brother Beardsley, my opinion about that changed in 1980. We're not too many miles from here in Philadelphia at General Conference in 1980. Opening night, first night, the preacher that night was Roy Moss from Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And at that point, I knew what Brother Light was talking about. There are lots of preachers sitting out there that could do a better job of this. And I still feel that way today about that message. You see, all, all, all of those things, you get involved in anything And there's always someone who can do it better. You've got some problem. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. You may face some of the problems that I've faced. I've I've put a lot of time in on it. My my wife has has mentioned that she she can still occasionally hear it. But I had a speech impediment as a young man. Now, who do you get to be a preacher? Somebody with a speech impediment? I couldn't even say my own name right. 
My cousins made fun of me for the way I said my name. But let's sing. Somebody else may sing better than you. But let's join our voices together. And in joining them together, it will be beautiful. Somebody else's weakness in one direction will cancel out your weakness in another. Let's not all do it at the same time, but on a Sunday morning, on some song, just stop and listen. Listen to the beautiful music that arises from this place as we sing together, as we sing with all of our flaws, with all of our faults, with all of our false notes, with all of our offbeat timing, with all of our not knowing what that dot after a note stands for, with all things we don't know, with all of the things that are going on around us musically that we don't understand what's happening, but something rises from within us and we just want to praise the Lord. We just want to do what we can do and it doesn't matter whether it sounds exactly right or not. Let's sing. It's time to sing. It's time to lead. It's time to work for God. It's time to do what we can do. Amen. It's time to be about what we can do and not worry about what we can't do. I can't fly. But fortunately, I don't have to fly to do this. I can't do what some of my brothers and sisters can do, but I can do what I can do. Not long after I came here, somewhere back in this area, someone was talking about their singing. And I told them what I'm about to relate to you. It's really a question. So I, I guess instead of saying I told them, I asked them. And, and when, you, when you run up against that wall of I can't do this as well as somebody else or I really shouldn't be involved in this at all, Boy, I really made a mess of that one. Folks, I've got 55 years of messes behind me. Missteps and wrong decisions. And somebody else could have done it better. Let me ask you a question. We're talking about singing tonight, just in, in case you haven't figured out, it's kind of a parable, okay? If you walked into a forest in the springtime or in the summer, you would hear the sounds of nature. 
And among those sounds of nature would be the trill of birds, the chirp of the cardinal, the call high overhead, or the, the honk of, of the geese, or maybe I should say the wah of the geese. You would hear the sparrow, the meadowlark. Some parts of the country, you would hear from the same area multitude of, of, of sounds as the mockingbird rejoiced before the Lord and declared the glory of God in the only way it knows how to do it, by singing everything it's ever heard. Are you ready to sing? Well, let me ask you the question. When you think you can't, ask yourself the question. How silent would the forest be if only the bird with the most beautiful song sang. That's not what God wanted. He wanted all of it together. All of our strengths, all of our weaknesses. I'm sure when they offered the sacrifice, somebody wasn't on key. Somebody couldn't hold the beat. But the offering was being made and the Lord was gratified. Are you ready? As leaders, are you ready to sing? Let's stand. Let's worship him as we're dismissed this evening. Thank you, Jesus.